0: This podcast is brought to you by JewishPodcast.org. Start your very own podcast today at JewishPodcast.org. As i coming Parsha and Parsha there's some interesting halachas that come out of the Parsha. A little off the beaten path, but nonetheless, some interesting halacha that comes out of the Parsha. The first thing that comes off the Parsha is a in and Parachachaf the tells us, If you're going to surround the city, this is the Isra de uh, of chopping down a fruit tree. A tree that's producing fruit you are not allowed to cut down. It's brought down in this week's parish. Now, here in Queens, we don't get so many of these shilas because we're lucky if we have a little bit of a patch of grass, let alone a whole tree. But every once in a while, the shiloh comes up. Oh, yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay. There you go. So I grabbed it. Someone called me a few months ago. He was moving to the Five Towns. And he told me in his backyard, there's a fruit tree. They want to get rid of it. They want to destroy it. They want to get, you know, they want to remove it. It stares sh- the playground. It ruins the area where the kids are going to play. What do they do with cutting down a fruit tree? So, Puskin, this week's parasha. So this is the racer to cut down a fruit tree. So, uh, how do we go around dealing with that? So. There are different Heterim and the Rishonim and the Paiskim. It's interesting, if you look in Shulchan Aruch, you're not going to find this halacha openly in Shulchan Aruch. The Taz already asked this kasha. why is this halacha not found in Shulchan Aruch? Well, what's interesting is, besides for the fact that it's an Isidara to cut down a tree that's actively producing fruit, the Gemara says in a couple of places in Shas, it's Shah shasakona. it's dangerous, it's a bad idea. People die when you cut down fruit trees. So, some people are not motivated by the fact that it's a lava in the Torah, that doesn't do it for them. So, you gotta tell them it's a sakana to cut down a fruit tree. Most Paiskim assume, not all, but most Paiskim assume that if you have a scenario where you could circumvent the isser of cutting down the fruit tree, then you would also be able to circumvent the sakana behind cutting down a fruit tree. But not all agree. Some people hold the two separate sugyas. And even if you'll find the head to why you're allowed to cut down the fruit tree for X and Y reason, it would still be us, or not us, but it would be dangerous. The Gemara says people died when they would cut down trees. So you have to be careful with both of those. The irony of today's world is more people know that it's a Sakana to cut down the fruit tree than they know it's actually a passing in this week's parashat, which is presumably a Nisr de Raisa. What's the Sakana for? For the guy who cuts it down? Well, what's that? You're assuming a guy's cutting it down. Presumably if you do it yourself. Now we'll have to come to a guy in a second. Now from this sugya there's another subcategory out there which is probably the more famous terminology that we ever hold. Where how many times have we told our children or we were told as children don't waste your food, it's baltashchus. And everyone knows that famous term. If you waste your food, that's baltashchus. Now that's not so simple where that's learned from. The terror is not talking about throwing out a you know a half eaten uh, you know a slice of pizza. The terror is talking about cutting down a fruit tree. So there's a big machoikish we're showing him if whether or not wasting other things. This is just an example of wasting something. You have a fruit tree, it's usable and, and, and very productive. I used to try to trap it down and there's a whole discussion. Let's say I'm trapping a jam because I want to use the wood for something else. I want to trap down the wood tree, the tree so I can use the wood to make something else. But let's assume you just stammaze just being a destructive Person, which is the way the Sefer Achinoch understands yes, sir, he understands the lesson over here of not de- destroying it is we're not destructive people, everything has purpose, everything has a reason, don't just go around destroying things. But what about if you're going to be mashchis, other objects that are not fruit So it's a big machhoikis we showed him. There's a steering in Rambam between the Rambam and Hilchis Molochim and the Rambam and Sefer Hamitzvah, but the way the Rambam writes it, the Rambam sounds, sounds very strong, it's not clear at all in the Rambam either, but the Rambam writes. That if you destroy other things, your Meshabikalim, Kareabagdin, let's say you just break a key, Right, You have anger issues. So the way you deal with your anger is you you know you throw a glass against the uh, the wall. Besides from having to work on your anger, that might be a violation of taking a good usable glass and breaking it. So the Rambam says in such a scenario, you're over baltashchis, but the ain't mardis. You only get midra midrabana. So many people say, oh. What do you mean? I'm over the de but I'm only getting Which one is it? So it's a big question of how to learn the Rambam. But again, wasting things for no reason would be at least a rabbinic Isra, if not perhaps even an Isra de a The question is, is that considered a justified reason for destroying something? Hey that's a question. That's what the Gemara talks the about. People do a lot of things, it doesn't, doesn't always mean it's right. So uh, the contemporary the they all assume that it's an Issa not an Issa Okay, we keep the Rabonans anyways. Now, so what are some of the examples of where we find that uh, it's okay to destroy things? So first of all, some them learn, how do we know that there's an Issa to be mazik something? Right? You learn Baba Kama. we all know that if you mazik something, you have to pay. What happens if I don't care about the money? I'm very wealthy. And I have an anger issue, so I go around every single night breaking all my neighbors' glass, you know, windows. And the next morning, I write them out a check, no problem. Is that wrong? So there's a whole discussion in Baba Kamma. Is there an isra to be a mazik, or is it just a chi of mammonis? So many people want to point to this week's parasha. They want to say, "From the fact that you're not allowed to destroy things, it's an isra." Even if you'll pay me back. You'll compensate me for the money. But you can't go around just wasting things that are productive. You have a guy who has a window and you just break, a, break it because you're bored. That would be considered a maizah hazik. And therefore some people learn that the mikar for the yisra mazik is actually learned out from this passage. Now, we all know, if you've ever been to a chasana, what do we do at a chasana? We break a glass under the chuppah that practice is based on the Gemara, Taisis brings it down in Brachas, that they used to have a practice at Hasnas, they used to break quite expensive glasses, the Gemara says, a $400, 400 zuz glass, they broke at the Chapa. So the him and the Echayim, what to What happened to Baal So they say, no, there was a teyalis over here. The purpose of the breaking of this class was to show the world, to remind everyone, again, we mentioned this in the past, what you're showing everyone, either you're showing everyone that you shouldn't get too besimcha, or you're reminding everyone about the besimcha, we told about this once before, but you're doing something productive. It's not Stam, you're trying to just, you know, uh, destroy, you're trying to teach and educate, and and, and that's why it's permitted. So some people, we spoke about this Lag Boimer time, this becomes a big discussion by Lag Boimer, maybe it's still a practice, I don't know, Meron, they used to burn very fancy begotten, they used to gather these very, very pricey, pricey art, uh, articles of clothing and burn them by the kever of Ibshim And many Akhrain already in the 1800s, were very bothered by this. They said, Batashchis, what, what are you doing? You're taking clothing that are valued and you're just burning it in the fire for what? So they all tried Mimiyasha, they try to come up with answers why this is good, this is productive, this is an Aliyah for his neshama, this, that, and the other. But they have to come up with some form of a justification for why it's permissible. And you come up with a justification, then somehow it becomes it becomes mutter. Okay. <laughs> Ah, oh, so when you come back we'll come back to the trees for a second. So now the problem there's another issue with food that people are often not careful. There's one issue with baltashchus that's one issue. That's destroying. Now what happens with there's another violation based on Mesekh Saifrim called Bizu oichl You're not gonna disrespect food. And this becomes an issue in camps. Uh, we're holding down the summer still. A lot of the camps, where they come up with different activities for the kids, a lot of this stuff, in my opinion, is bize oichlin. They take food and they use it in a very disrespectful way. So maybe you'll kvetch to me somehow, it's not baltash, it's because we're using it. I'm not wasting it. I'm using it for entertainment. I'm using it so the kids have an activity and the kids keep busy and this, that, and the other. Maybe. Yeshlo, don't even that. I don't think it's so partial. But it's still bizeh oichlin. Food was not meant... What? They throw the eggs at each other. They have a race with the eggs, and they drop the eggs, and uh, they do all these funny things with food. They take Rice Krispies, and right, there's this new Sh'tus in the Goy where they pie people for a baby that's supposed, supposed to be cute. We take a little baby on his birthday, and you throw a pie in the baby's face. All things ridiculous. That, that's that's uh, that's But people do that. They, they uh, you know, throwing pie, pie, pie throwing contest a, 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 a that's uh, that's so it's not cuz we're using the food for entertainment maybe i don't think the, even that i don't think it's so much but, but um, it's definitely bizoic so a from is an is violation called bizoic so i think people have to be a little bit more careful with the way they they treat their food and baltashgus is always a problem. Ripam used to speak about this. He writes this on his farm on Khumish. You know, today we live in a world where people are very quick to throw out food out. We don't need it, throw it out, this, that, and the other. We should be a little bit more careful with the way we treat food and the way we the relationship we have with food. You know, if you're not gonna eat it, don't bite. That's what I tell my kids. Don't take it if you don't plan on eating it. Don't eat take one bite. It's not a shadow of baltashkos then, because this kid doesn't want to eat it, but it's tamazay waste. someone else will eat it. So we have to be a little bit more sensitive to our relationship with food. Now, what are some of the heterium to be able to deal with the fruit tree? Okay. So, one head the people say is, I'll have a guy cut it down. Let the guy cut it down. I'm not allowed to cut down the tree, but the guy can cut down the tree. That's absolutely not correct at all. There's Allah and Shochan Aruch, there are Marites and Yaradaeus and Merechta Design. Anything you can't do, a guy can't do. Amir L'Nachri is not only on Shabbos. Amir L'Nachri is anything you can't do, a guy can't do. This we find in Gamal Bab talks about such cases. Amir L'Nachri is not only on Shabbos. Amir L'Nachri is anything you can't do, a guy can't do as well. So, asking a guy to cut down your tree is not going to help. So, what do people do? So what they sometimes do is they sell the tree to the guy. Let's say, for example, you're, uh, you're buying a house. So what you do is you'll sell, you'll, you'll, you'll basically write up in the contract that you're going to sell the tree to the guy as well. And then the guy does what he wants. not my business what the guy does. Okay? That's may, maybe one etza. The other etza maybe out of it is, is you have to find out is there's a rush. There's a Russian in Baba Kama says that if you need the place that the tree is occupying, then it's mutter. So that's a big discussion. What does it mean you need the place? Is it because you know like the tree is like you know in the middle of someone's bedroom? So you gotta get the tree out of the house, or it's because like the tree's in the back of your big backyard and it would really ruin, you know, you want to set up third base in the backyard, it would really ruin having a tree there. So that's a whole shot on the pie What's considered that is occupying the space? Many hold if it's a, if it's a deterrent, if it's an annoyance to have a fruit tree smacked in the middle of the backyard, under that case you would be allowed to uh, perhaps you'd be allowed to get rid of it. What I think they do today, is, to the best of my knowledge, what I think most people do today is, is that they um, they sell it to the guy. In the contract, when they sell the house, they try to somehow sell it to the guy. They sell it to the gardener, whatever it may be. Because Rabbi Shawais makes this point based on a machin Even if you can get around the meal and ochri, but if you hire a gardener to do a job for you, and he's, he's your worker, so we have a rule called tzcha, Yad, yad poil Ki Yad Balabais. It means he's just like it's me. Even if it's not shlichos, but it's just like I'm doing it. So, you have to hire a worker who's not a typical worker. It gets a little complicated. I think what most people do today is, is they try to somehow work it into the contract that the fruit tree will belong to the owner, and the owner is going to do whatever he wants to do with the tree. There is a shilo, I didn't go into it enough. And is bringing up what happens if you want to cut some of the branches, you don't want to uproot the whole tree. What happens if taking the tree down will be the best for everyone? The tree is not producing. Okay. There's a lot of detailed shilas that are, uh, there's swarm written on this. I have two swarm at home. Mom has written dedicated specifically to this topic about the issue of cutting down trees. And the Yisra of Bezer, Eichlim, and the like. But it just uh, it all comes out from, from this week's parasha. So it's just interesting to mention. Another interesting halacha from this week's parasha, it says at the beginning of the parasha, So most of us assume it means you're not allowed to plant an asher tree, you're not allowed to plant a tree for a like But the Gemara has a different drasha. The Gemara says you're not allowed to have wood, you're not allowed to plant or build wood in the base of HaMikdash. So Reb Kiveger quotes a chiddish that you're not allowed to have wood anywhere either in the, you're not allowed to have trees anywhere in the courtyard of the shul, and there's no wood allowed in the shul either. Now what's the only problem with saying there's no wood allowed in the shul? Misbeach. <inaudible> yes. Ah, besides the that fact that Miss was made out of wood, how else do you think they built shuls for the last hundreds and hundreds of years? With wood. All the shuls were built of wood. Every shul in Europe was built of wood. What do you mean? They weren't building it uh, out of stone. It was all built of wood. So what do you mean you're not allowed to have uh, any wood in, 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 in the basic HaKnesset? So most people assume that the basic HaKnesset did not have the same din as the basic as the basic They say in Brisk, all the Rabbonim in Brisk used to be machim. There were no there were no trees in the chutz of the shul until Torah, Bechayim became the River of Brisk. When R' became the River of Brisk, he was relying on a Psaq from his wife's grandfather. His wife's grandfather was the Netziv then Netziv held there's no such chumra by not planting trees in the shul or the outside of the shul, and that's why in Brisk he allowed them to have trees in the in the, uh, in, the in the in the you know in the entry into the shul. Again, in the shul itself, we have a bima that's made out of wood. We have other things that are made out of wood. So this chumra is widely not acceptable, but it's found in this week's parsha. The last interesting thing that's in this week's parsha, which is controversial, we'll just maybe talk a little bit about it. We have the parsha of Melech in this week's parsha. So in this week's parsha, the Gemara says you suppose you can have a Melech. Melech You're not allowed to have a woman king. So there's a famous Rambam. The Rambam says not only are you not allowed to have a woman king, but any position of serara, any position that's uh, considered a leadership position, women are not allowed to be in such positions. So this becomes a big tumult about women allowed to be on the board, are women allowed to be on the board of the shul, are women allowed to be this, that, and the other. It gets very. We spoke about this a few weeks ago when we talked about a woman uh, rabbi, a, a woman rabbi. But the other discussion is that many Rishayim assume that if you can't have a female Melech a Malka, you can't have a female Sheifetis. A woman can't passk in The problem with saying a woman can't passk is against the Navi. Right? We know in the Navi we had a very famous Nevia who passk a lot of Shilas all day long. She sat and passk Shailas. So how was she allowed to be a Sheifetis? So Teisus and Nida his kasha. The all ask his kasha. So I'm asking So I'm asking in So Teisus gives an answer. Alpi Hadiboshani. Hashem gave his Haskamah to her being a Shafetis. So a regular woman today cannot be a Shafetis. But a devourer, uh, she had permission from Baruch she was permitted. The other thing which is relevant, which we have to still talk about one day, is that the, the exception to the rule, we know, is by a melech, the position goes straight to the son. When the melech dies, the son gets the job right away. And there the Ramam also says that any, any position of leadership also goes like that Be Yerusha automatically so there's a big tumult in contemporary ready from the 17-1800s what happens if, if a rabbinic position Nebuchadnezzar Rav dies does his son go automatically does he get the job or no? does he have to open up the uh, open up the playing field and whoever gets the job gets the job because by a melech it works that way so the Sifri says it's not just a melech but it's any position of leadership that it goes directly to the son if he's roi and that's how the Ramah sounds like in Shulchan but I can tell you there have been many many Kehillahs throughout Kala history that have been ripped apart because of this aloha. Because uh, on the books, the Ramal Pastans, they've got to give it to the son. And everyone argues the son is not Royal Lakach. But the Ramal says, as long as he's you know, he's good enough. He's never going to be as good as his father. Everyone knows that. But if he's pretty good, he can get the job. But many kahilas, this was a big tumul in Tells. Tells Cleveland not so long ago. After Gifter was nifted, there was a big tumult in Tells Cleveland about this topic. About who gets to take over. Very, very, very messy situation over there. Uh, not for now, but this is all in this week's parish. This is all in this week's parish, all these types of topics. And there's even a Shaila in the Pisgah, maybe a son-in-law gets to take over after his father-in-law uh, passes. Does he also get such a position? What about grandchildren? A lot of interesting things, but they all come from this week's parish, where the Torah tells us that by a melech, the, the son takes over automatically, and perhaps that works that way by other positions of leadership as well. Okay.